0: i <laughs> listening to The Coffee Hour. I'm Andy Bates.
1: I'm Sarah Golseth.
0: It is Mental Health Monday. We're going to chat with Beaconess Heidi Gaiman in just a moment. Thanks to Concordia University Wisconsin for supporting The Coffee Hour. Find out more about Concordia University Wisconsin at cuw.edu.
1: Live uncommon.
0: Someone told me recently that my voice was like much lower On one of the recent episodes. And I think today's the day for that, right? It's Mental Health Monday. Our topic is weariness as we take a look at emotions and the gospel with Heidi Gaiman. Good morning, Heidi.
2: Good morning. Thanks for having me.
0: What what's an appropriate voice for a conversation about weariness? Is it should we use our low range? Should we use our lower range? We can talk, we can laugh about weariness,
2: right? <laughs> right. Humor is actually like an, an irreverence in particular, which is like an entire therapeutic skill, like where you're able to laugh at the junk of life, right? So I think some humor could be had. I would say a yeah, like calm, gentle. Slower range usually is good because that like tends to the places that are inside us that feel frenzied or worked to death. You know all of those things that weariness brings. Mm.
0: You call it skill. Some call it the un- like the the forgotten spiritual gift
1: mm-hmm.
0: uh, humor. Uh, mm-hmm. All right. That's weariness. My coping mechanism. That's
1: <laughs> Number one coping
0: mechanism. <laughs> we never use it here on the coffee hour. No,
1: ne- never. Never. Sarcasm, too.
0: Emotions <laughs> and the Gospel. Very helpful book. Today we're talking about weariness. Mm-hmm. So in the book, you describe weariness as an emotion of time.
2: Mm-hmm.
0: What? Sure. What? Oh, fun question. <laughs> what does this mean?
2: <laughs> I think my I It's funny to think about that because my teenagers at my house would tell you, like, don't talk to mom about time because (laughs) I have a lot of ideas about time. Time, we take for granted that as a concrete topic, I mean, because it's involved in physics and there is some concreteness to it, but it's also a very abstract concept. It has, I, time is a particularly spiritual concept, if you ask me, and it's, it's almost an intimate concept too, right? Like we have desires for time and time is connected to moments for us and experiences and even relationships. And so my kids are like, don't, don't get mom started on time. Like <laughs> at, at, during Advent, I try to do this whole series on time with an Advent spiral and, I'm talking out to this crowd of ladies at our church and I could see them glaze over like Heidi and her ideas about time. Right. So I'll try not to make you weary with my my concept of time. But I think that's just it. It's not as concrete as we want it to be. And so there's some mental agility that's required for it. Right. There's some flexibility, some ability to hold the mystery of what we don't know about time, what is, yeah, what is God's, I guess, in time. And so there's some weariness in that. I would also say then there's the more practical aspects of time is limited. And it it reminds us that we are limited as people. And it's one reason why our hearts are set on eternity. Like we want eternity. We want eternal. We want to know that our time isn't as limited, that the opportunities won't end. But we are limited, you know, outside of God's gift of eternity as human beings. And so weariness takes kind of pieces of us, if you will, over time too. Like you don't get weary in a mo in like a, a hot second, you know. There is maybe sorrow in your life or something that happens in your life, or maybe just the dailiness of life, but even when there's like some kind of deep traumatic thing, weariness by definition is something that happens across time as we process it or don't process it, as it were, as it sits as a piece of something in our lives, and it kind of feels like we're lose, losing parts of ourselves, losing our energy, losing our heart. There's some heart break, some yeah, all of that stuff. Am I even making sense today? <laughs> See, I yeah. got started on time, and like,
1: like, wait, <laughs> total sidetrack. No, I think I think that makes a lot of sense, and I think this is a really, really apt one to think about and, and kind of sit with in our collective post-pandemic and how wherever we are in the continuum of pandemic phase and, and all of the stuff that I feel like everyone's kind of collectively been going through, like mm-hmm. weary weariness is is something I think we it would. It's just good for us to kind of sit with for a second and understand it and look at it from a biblical perspective and all of these things, because mm-hmm. so many of us, for whatever reason or similar reasons, we've all kind of been are, are, are into this stage of sure. weariness mm-hmm. now.
2: No, it's true. And I think we we take for granted that especially when we're young I think how much energy we have, right? Like kids mm-hmm. don't think about that they have energy, but adults say it all the time. Like, oh, I wish I had your energy, you know? And then you're in your 20s and someone in your 40, their 40s is commenting that they wish they had, you know, your energy. And the reality is, is that's because there is, there's a component of that limitedness where we just have less energy. And then on that flip side, I guess the compliment to that, it's an unfortunate compliment, is that. We start to, I think, grow, actually, as we age in awareness of all the hard stuff of life. We have more relationships and so, and we have deeper relationships. We have more of our own baggage and stuff. And so we, our eyes are wide open to the hurt and pains and struggle of a broken world, as well as we have less energy for that. We have less energy to process it. We have more responsibilities. All those things kind of stack on top of each other to create that sense of weariness. I think this is one reason why you see an entire book dedicated to the concept of weariness in Ecclesiastes, um, where Solomon, or the author of Ecclesiastes, I'll say, is, you know, it starts to feel a little meaningless. I think that's one step past, right, weariness. But if you look at that book, there's different components of the emotion of weariness, where the author is simply too tired, to try to keep understanding and cognitively finding an explanation and doing the work of making meaning because it is work, because it's part of the work of being a human. And it, it is uniquely exhausting in a broken
0: world.
1: I really liked the, the the part of the sentence in the book where you say there's a particular weariness in the faces of certain people, like weariness is something you can you can't see a lot of emotions all the time on people. But like you can tell generally when someone's dealing has been dealing with something for a long time, like like those before and after pictures of people who went through one of the world wars or yeah, something sure. like sure. like there's there's physical drain on our bodies when when we've been going through this struggle for a long time.
2: Yeah, no, absolutely. Well, and one thing I point out in the book is I think what you're really seeing is vulnerability. It's a very Mm. physical aspect. And you're right, there's that sense of like, tired and worn. And I mean, like our skin gets worn, right? Like even our, Mm -hmm. the blood in our face, like kind of drains a little bit, right? And you can see that aspect of physicality to it. And then I think if you look past that, a little deeper to the emotional level of it, what you're seeing is vulnerability, like you in weariness you're too, it's too hard to put the armor <laughs> on against the world it's too hard to put those shields up in between us and the things that are hurtful and so one thing that tells us when we look and see vulnerability remember the antidote to vulnerability is, is grace and connection and so that person one thing that we can give them is simply our presence and our connection and absolutely grace this person knows the law right weariness is i think the law present in our body and honestly to some degree when people don't have the maybe language for it and they don't know jesus i don't i don't know that obviously they would be able to say that or confess their sin or anything like that but we can be assured that that weariness is the law in them doing that work and so we can meet them with the gospel and let them know that there is a God who sees they're tired and they're worn and is tending to their heart.
0: I think having the, the words, having the vocabulary, the language to, to be able to, one, recognize and two, to express weariness uh-huh. is helpful because I think today if we don't have that language, we may be more apt to jump right to exhausted rather than mm-hmm. weary, like I'm exhausted or this mm-hmm. exhausts me, mm-hmm. which may be accurate, but it, it might just be simply weariness rather than exhaustion. And we just might embellish a bit much.
1: Well, you're right.
2: And I do think, while I think all our emotions are connected to our spirituality because we're connected people. I think the way we use language in our culture does matter. And I do think that's one reason why we're in this section of this book. And I created this section of this book is that they is language of scripture that we have forgotten, that we don't use in our culture. And weary really is one of those. It it sounds spiritual because it's so disconnected from the language that we use in our culture. We do jump to exhausted. And I do think weariness It recognizes that limitation and that vulnerability that we have as human beings because we're created, because we're created by God, because we are not God. And so that's one reason I really want the reader or the listener to pick up these kind of quote unquote forgotten words of scripture, because there's a reconnection then to the language that we need that recognizes our emotions as spiritual and as a connecting factor between us and God. And our emotions will be then, I believe, more naturally regulated when we're experiencing them in connection with God more intentionally and then also subconsciously, if this becomes part of our life and our belief system and our rhetoric. And wow. I mean, don't we all we could all use that, right? A little bit more natural regulation and restoration from God in our emotions than from me trying to manage myself.
0: I'm just picturing a kindergartner using the word weary. <laughs>
2: Yeah. So see how I said that's a kind of age, right? Like there is mm-hmm. this aspect of time and age to it. And that's a funny picture. But OK, Andy, it's funny that you say that because I don't know if you remember the story in this chapter from my own weariness. And so mm-hmm. I, it's me as a child, a very young child. And I did not have the language for that at that time. And that's the place of adults in young people's lives at any age is to help get them granularity is what we call it. Like if you picture grains of sand, like that individualness of emotion language so that they're not just hearing words like tired and exhausted, but they're hearing these other words that might be more applicable to living in a broken world that's challenging. And even five-year-olds know that on some level. So how can we help them develop mentally appropriately, process that? I think language does matter that
0: Absolutely.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: It is Mental Health Monday on the Coffee Hour, talking with Deaconess Heidi Gaiman on emotions and the gospel. Today's emotion: weariness. <laughs> we'll continue the conversation right here on the Coffee Hour. I'm Andy Bates.
1: I'm Sarah Golseth.
0: At Concordia University, Wisconsin, we believe you were created for a reason. To use your God-given gifts to help others. To live a life of self-sacrifice in a me-first world. To live a life that's uncommon. Whether you're taking one of 50 plus online programs or learning with us in person on the shores of Lake Michigan, you'll be equipped to make an uncommon impact. Learn more at cuw.edu. Concordia University, Wisconsin. Live uncommon. Welcome back to The Coffee Hour. I'm Andy Bates.
1: I'm Sarah Golseth.
0: We are taking a look at emotions and the gospel, particularly taking a look at weariness today for Mental Health Monday with Deaconess Heidi Gaiman. All right. So we, we've talked about the importance of having the vocabulary and the language to be able to to understand and express or articulate emotions we may be experiencing. And we've talked about these are emotions, sometimes forgotten emotions of the scripture and being able to... to Reintroduce this vocabulary into our own lives. What are some examples of weariness in scripture and what do we do with that?
2: Okay, one of my favorite, I already talked about Ecclesiastes a little bit. And so I really turned the reader there. I think we tend to focus on that concept of meaninglessness when we think of the book of Ecclesiastes, if we're, you know, really well read in scripture. But I do think the weariness is really present there. Obviously, the Psalms is always a place we go to when we talk about these emotion words. But another one I think is very interesting is Jeremiah. So Jeremiah, the prophet, and I think he's a major prophet, right? Because he has lots of chapters. So he's a major prophet. He very much has the sense of weariness. And I would venture to say that many of the prophets encounter this. Why? (laughs) Because A, usually their work is not instantaneous. Like God asked me to talk once and I was, I did my work. Instead, we're talking about like seasons and years again, right? That time element is present. Also, there's a physicality to it, especially in Jeremiah. But we see it in other prophets too. Like Jeremiah is like told to go buy a deed of land and he he has to like do things. And he's supposed to like, I don't, Want to misremember something, but I think there's other aspects. Like he's supposed to be in a cage for a brief period of time, or and then there's some sculpting and potting as a more pleasant one. But then he's supposed to destroy it. Like there's a physicality to it. Also, Jeremiah is one of the ones really bringing in the entrance of the exile. Right, like he's ushering in this terribleness of exile into Babylon for the people. It's not a message of joy that Jeremiah is bringing to them. He is bringing a message of restoration. And I want people to see that if they go back and look at Jeremiah. The restoration's really clear, but it also is being honest that there will be a season of struggle to come and then the restoration. And I think that rings so true in our lives then too. Like, oh, like I it's not supposed to just be better today. That's not necessarily always the way these things work. And just because my world isn't getting solved today doesn't mean that God is absent or left to me. And so the, the book of Jeremiah is very helpful, I think, in being able to see the, the normalization of that weariness and struggle and also that God isn't absent in it. And even better, remember what we said, connection in the vulnerability, grace in the vulnerability god leans in and connects to both Jeremiah as an individual we see that him t- him, t- him being tended to by god but also the people of god and 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 to some extent the world like the babylonians themselves right are given the message of god through people to come during this exile like daniel or like you know all those guys <laughs> that helped rebuild the temple and stuff and so I think that's a really cool place. There's also in the book, an example from the book of Judges. There's a lot of running in the Old Testament, running from uh, Elijah, running from Jezebel or the people running from Sisera or Sisera. Oh, I, I never say that one right. Do you guys know how to pronounce that one? Sisera? Sisera. Yes. Thank you. It's not written correctly in my brain for some reason. I can <laughs> But like there's a lot of running. Okay, that's tiring. Like that's There's some weariness when you're running from something physically, but there's also a spiritual component to that. And that's often how our life feels. And even the Apostle Paul references the race, right, that is the walk of faith and that that Christ is the one lifting us up in that and helping us and cheering us on and bringing us to the finish line to join the victory that he's already won. So there's a lot. There's a lot of weariness in the Bible. So I think that should tell us something also about our own lives, maybe
1: yeah like so translating that maybe to what we deal with the the hard stuff that we go through that continually that, that and that we end up in this weary position where where is god in the midst of all of this where where do we see his words for us in in our own situations mm-hmm.
2: here's the cool thing and this is where emotions get weird is that <laughs> god gets weary what Like sit with that for a second like God gets weary and it says it in scripture, especially in that passage in Jeremiah, it says, for whenever I speak, I cry out, I shout violence and destruction for the word of the Lord has become for me a reproach and derision all day long. If I say I will not mention him or speak any more in his name, there is in my heart as it were a burning fire shut up in my bones and I am weary of pulling it in. I cannot right? So that is Jeremiah speaking. But then later, we see God speaking of his own experience with weariness. In Isaiah 1.14, it tells us that God gets weary of the lip service that is the people giving sacrifice without heart, that he gets weary of humans' propensity toward violence and injustice. It is so comforting to, to me to know that God gets tired of that you know, like that there is a place where God loses patience. I mean, we want him to have patience because we want every man to come to salvation, every person on the earth to come to salvation. We want him to consider the next generation. But at the same time, I need to hold that alongside knowing that God does lose patience. And it, it, it wearies his heart. It wearies his Himself. And that's something that holds some mystery to it. I don't quite understand the interaction of that. And in John 4, we see Jesus getting weary too. And so I think one thing that tells us if Jesus can get weary, then weary in itself is a not sinful at all. Like, and we're allowed to be tired, like, we're allowed to be emotionally, mentally exhausted and struggling in the time we have on earth and knowing that God is faithful, right? Like you get to have both things. The the word I like to use that we see God meeting the weariness in is refuge. Like that there is a place to rest in God and his wings right over us that we can cuddle up inside. And so God does that even for Jesus, right? We see the Trinity interact. In Jesus's weariness, God the Father tends to him. In God the Father's weariness, the persons of the Trinity are there for God the Father. I think that's pretty mind-blowing, and that's why it's emotions and the gospel created for connection, because the connection of those emotions is, I think, really the meat of what God is doing in emotion, like one of the main reasons he created emotions, if you will, is because there are these connecting pieces to them that we wouldn't get without them.
0: The word capacity comes up in this chapter mm. a little bit. What is there a relationship between weariness and capacity?
2: Oh my goodness, yeah. I mean, I think part of it... Is- We, so in America, especially, but maybe Western culture in general, but you know, you see this in any kind of like industrialized society, let's say that. So maybe it's industrialized culture is that like, we are sold the idea that our capacity is limitless. Like we are, you know, we can do the thing and then do the other thing. And then, and yeah, we are, we are limited again, like we have limited capacity. And so I, need to have an awareness for my emotional, spiritual, mental health, all of this, of my personal capacity. Well, first, my capacity as a human, like recognizing I'm not God. So I am not limitless. I need sleep. And I probably need, you know, eight or so hours, ideally, I need food, and I need to stop and eat that. And I need to have sunshine and get outside a little bit, you know, all those different things that really impact us because we are human we need them in our lives they're not extras then then from there my individual capacity like you have a capacity andy sarah you have your own capacity i have my own capacity and those are going to be influenced by my experiences my attachment relationships and childhood and my family and how much i felt loved and cared for as well as my season of life and, and you know, who I'm trying to also take care of, as well as what different things and roles and vocations God has put in my life. It's going to be influenced by my health, my physical health, my mental health, my well-being, all of those things. Yeah, there's so many elements, I think, to our capacity. But the key here is just to stop and consider it. (laughs) Like, to know you have capacity, to know other people have capacity, and we need to be aware of that capacity. Like when we ask people to volunteer at churches, like maybe if we consider, are they at capacity? Then we wouldn't end up with kind of them in you know, a weary blob on the floor. Like we have to be aware of our own then too, so we can find ourselves, you know, able to to do the next thing and to step into the next thing. And and I do think it does impact our like self-esteem, self-confidence, and even our idea of whether God is present. Because a lot of times as humans, when we feel, quote unquote, incapable, right, which is connected to capacity, we feel like God is has deserted us or has a poor opinion of us or things like that. So just knowing that we have capacity and it needs a little tending is really good for our mental and emotional health.
1: Yeah, that's an interesting thing. My brain is like spinning off in different circles now <laughs> talking about capacity because it's a bit of a soapbox. But it's interesting to consider that that it's almost like there's weariness that happens because of things that happen to us, world events, like stuff we can't control. And then there's weariness that happens because mm-hmm. we don't have the proper boundaries. We haven't learned how to say no to stuff. Like there's mm-hmm. stuff, There there yeah. are certain things that maybe we can actually do something about to kind of rein in this this feeling that gets glorified far too much in my opinion of like, oh I'm so tired because I'm so busy and mm-hmm. well like you actually could maybe do something about that. Right. I'm right. speaking to myself right now. No, right, right.
2: Well it goes back to when we did finding hope last year in those areas of brokenness. Like sometimes it's my sin. Sometimes it's other people's. Sometimes it's just what is in a broken world loves it. And so yeah, being aware of all those things really, really does matter. And I think we misuse a scripture passage too, and I know we're getting short on time, but the idea that God gives us more, like that he fills us and overflows us, right? So our capacity to give and serve those around us. But the reality is, is those that's there's moments where we will need to give more than we have. And those are really limited also. Like we don't need to do that every day. That's not what we're called to every day. Like Jesus already did that. He died on the cross. He gave everything that needed to be given. And so I can also take care of myself and have God, let God take care of me and providing and provisioning for me. And then there will be those tiny moments, a season or even an experience where I'm asked to give more than maybe I feel like I have in a minute. And so that's a part of paying attention to capacity is like, yeah, God gives more grace, but also that means for ourselves too
0: emotions and the gospel. You can find more at com. You can find it in a number of places where you get books. Great resource from Concordia Publishing House as well. Our guest, as usual on Mondays for Mental Health Mondays, Deaconess Heidi Gaiman. Thanks so much, Heidi. Great chat.
2: Hey, thanks for having me. Always good
1: to be with you guys.
0: You've been listening to The Coffee Hour. I'm Andy Bates.
1: I'm Sarah Golseth.